0: Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.
2: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Tone Arrows Podcast. I'm your host James, and I'm joined as always by my good friend Timmy Lang. Hi, everyone. Sean is on the late sound. How are you, Sean? Not too bad. How are you getting on? Goodbye, good. <laughs> We have the Minister for Public Expenditure,
0: Minister Michael McGrath, in the studio today. How are you, Michael? I'm very good. Um, thanks, James and Timmy, for having me and delighted to, to be here.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're four weeks away from Christmas. How's your home budget going, I said? <laughs> <laughs> You're used to doing budget oh, on a big level, uh, but there's people at home know and they're budgeting and they're divvying they're, out. They're, you know, so you yeah. have a few kids, Tim. I have. I have two kids
3: and two dogs. These days, the dogs are more expensive than the, the kids because every... Yeah. Every week, my wife seems to be down in the pet shop buying some sort of treat or <laughs> our jumper for one of the dogs. So,
2: <laughs> she yeah. buy You that jumper told him
3: um, about. Oh, I'm after putting into about forty hot washes, no, five washes his <laughs>
0: clothes. You know, so there'll be a on him. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's, he's well yeah. built anyway, yeah, so yeah. would like to be feeding you to me. Yeah. Um, but no, we've no dogs, but we've uh, a few cats and lots of kids, as you know. Yeah yeah, so. yeah, yeah. But we we go way back for the people that don't know. You. I mean, yeah, maybe most people would know. Yeah as like a minister
2: or as a TD, but they won't really yeah. know you. So do you want to tell us a little bit about where you're, f- where you're actually from, where you grew up?
0: I'm from Passage West. That's what I regard as, as home, really. That's where I grew up. Um, my my parents, um, you know, fantastic parents. I was one of, of five siblings. My dad was originally from a small farm in West Cork, did lots of different jobs through his life, mainly construction uh, as a labourer, uh, worked in London as a with many, many other Irish people yeah. down the years. Came back, um, was a driver for Casey's Furniture in Cork. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he worked in famous insulation. Fans. Yeah, famous fans. He went up and down the road to Dublin w- when it was a very different road. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then he worked in insulation, Um, uh, with Cape Insulation, they were called. Um, uh, Did some work on the Pfizer site. Um, But a hard-working labourer, in yeah. effect. And my mum was always a home carer. Where was your mum from? Mum was from Toker. Or yeah, something. letting more Talker and uh, the Posh um, Path Talker. Well, both both sides of our family would be very old Talker. Yeah, yeah, are. very old Talker. But I think in
2: uh, if you're if you're looking at Talker now, and I know a lot of people from Talker, but you've Dean Rock and and kind of over towards between Dean Rock and Glasheen would be very kind of local authority. Mm-hmm. But then I was out in, uh, you know, Spike O'Sullivan, the Boxer. Yeah. He have a gaff out in there. Uh, he had a house out in Lendermore. Yeah. was lovely out there then. Yeah. The real nice houses up the hill, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I was saying, he's posh now, do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, like in those days, Don't so say our, our
0: own place was very, you know, rural at the time. Up the steep hill, basically. Yeah. Yeah. That's where uh, the water charges so began,
2: didn't it? The protest. <laughs> <on Leithmore>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. They were pretty hot there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in Passage. We lived in uh, a council estate, Ardmore Estate, for a number of years. Yeah. That was, so. My, my parents moved out from the city Greenmount Buildings, Mm. uh, top of Barrick Street, Mm. that's where I was actually born and they moved down to Passage um, and got a council house, their first real security I suppose as a couple. Greenmount Buildings, is that near the Noonan's Road? That's just across from the Greenmount National School really. Very walking class family, so. Oh very much so, yeah, Yeah, my mum never, well when she was young she worked, uh, but as with those days when she got married and kids started coming, that was the end of work and do my big dad family, got Mike? Um, hmm? you had you a big family? I was one of five. Okay. I was one of five se- uh, second youngest but my dad got quite sick uh, um when he was uh, he was quite young but about 1980 84 he got very very sick with a kidney failure yeah. almost killed him. I was only about 7 or 8 at the time. Oh, yeah. uh, but thankfully he recovered and um, couldn't work again though so the mm. only income we had was invalidity pension. Okay. Mum didn't work so you know it was uh, that was difficult but the uh, the council said a good scheme at the time that if you gave up your council house you got a grant of mm. £5,000 and coming from a small farm in West Cork he always had a bit of a, a, a yearning for the countryside yeah. and so um, they took that grant managed to get a small loan and bought a little cottage on about a third of an acre between Passage West and Monkstown, Laurel Hill Rathanker area Um, people might know it as kind of near the back road, say, between Rochester Monastery and Monkstone. Mm. Um, and uh, so that's where the rest of my upbringing was. My yeah. dad could never work again. And so uh, I, we got we got 10 very good years with him. He died in 1995. I was 18. But for those those 10 years, I spent an awful lot of time with him, going yeah. up and down to the golf course in Monkstone, yeah. looking for golf balls. Mm. Uh, he'd wash them, sell them. Yeah. Uh, that, that was my part-time job. And then caddying, um, carrying golf bags yeah. it was great upbringing he left yeah. a big impression yeah. uh, he did yeah he was a it was a lovely man he was uh, quite in his own way but very very strong mm. physically strong and a strong personality and the kind of person you'd look up to my mum was great too she's still with us hail and hearty mm. thank god lives in lives in passage but of course you'll always have a you know a special memory of of a parent that you've lost
2: yeah yeah, you know. would,
0: yeah. yeah. where did you go to school when school in Passage, um, started in the the convent in the center of the town, and then up to what was school column Kill Boys, from second class on, and then we went to St Peter's Community School. It was a brand new school. It was an amalgamation of the the old Tech in Passage oh, yeah. and the secondary school, and uh, it opened its doors in eighty eight. We were the very mm. first first years in in the door. So went to school there. Yeah,
2: and when you like, you know, when you were in school. Had you always an interest in politics or debating or how how did, how did the flair for what you do now? Was it Mm -hmm. matter? Were you always kind of drawn to it or did you fall into it? It kind of
0: grew on me slowly, I would say. Like I was really, really shy in school, I'd still be shy as a person, mm. uh, but you, you kind of learn to manage it and yeah. you get experience of public speaking and so on. But when I was in school, I don't think anyone would have predicted that I would be the one who oh, would go yeah. to public life and yeah. be able to speak and, and go into politics. But look, I did have an, an interest in history. So I, I suppose in secondary school that really developed. Uh, my parents weren't political, never involved in, in politics. They would generally voted for people they knew. Um, and uh, would, would generally have, have voted for Fianna Fáil, but they weren't involved, weren't members or anything. Um, but I suppose the news would be on, the newspapers would be there, Dad would drop us to school, Morning Ireland would be on, and I liked history in school, and it just began to grow on me, I think, mm-hmm. through secondary school, and did then I went to college.
3: Did you enjoy school? Were you academic? Was it something you you? Yeah, really I did enjoy
0: enjoyed? school. Yeah, good memories of school. Um, I think when I was in primary school, it was... The kind of getting the slaps was coming to an end. I got a few, uh, <laughs> but it was coming to an end. I tell our own kids about it now, and they, yeah. they find it incredible. That you don't have to put out your hand. That's you why know, my my right here
3: is a little bit to yeah. too yeah. far to the right yeah. there, or John. But listen, so, <laughs> <laughs> that's your story anyway, to me. <laughs> We believe you, uh,
0: uh, but uh, yeah, I did enjoy school. I did enjoy school. Definitely, it was quiet, but yeah. you know, would have played sport, did all the normal things, and and made made very good friends and. School was good to me, it um, was very good to me, I was the first in my own family then to go on to, to college uh, and uh, and I worked hard there because I, I was yeah. determined, you know, I knew I had an opportunity that my parents never had and I'm very conscious of that and I wanted to make the most of it. That's yeah.
3: great, awareness, absolutely, absolutely. was sport part of your life as well at that
0: Yeah, I was, yeah, I played, you know, soccer and, and GA all the way up passage would have a very strong yeah. sporting tradition, you know, good clubs and... Um, yeah. Great people, yeah, and yeah, I did did enjoy sport all the way up, and yeah. and would to this day be very interested uh, and involved through my own kids now rather yeah. than myself, but <laughs> um, but I always love sport, and it's a great, it's yeah. a great, a great release. I find it yeah. a great switch off at the weekend. They just yeah. come home and go to all their matches.
2: You mentioned something there that I could relate with, uh, and and Timmy as well. I'd say about uh, being not being the most outgoing person or being a little be bit shy, but with practice public speaking, it's just something that you'll get better at and more confident with. Yeah. But like I, I think that for me anyhow, I was never the most outgoing person, you know, I would be a little bit insecure and a little bit shy and stuff like that. But I think the more public speaking we do, the more comfortable you get mm-hmm. at it and the more there's nothing to be afraid of because, you know, a lot of the shyness is about is, is fear of what if somebody laughs, what if somebody yeah. you know, but I think like for people that, that's at home listening, um and you're shy and you think that you can't go into public office or you can't go into public life or set up
0: your own podcast or you actually can and it's just a skill that you develop the same as anything else isn't it? It is and I think it's about being yourself you know and just just being comfortable and everyone everyone is different you know you don't have to get up and speak like the next person there will always be better public speakers there will be people who are exceptionally good at it but you just be yourself and people aren't there to judge you generally and if you're doing it for the right reasons then you'll be fine and look there are a lot more kind of serious things going on in life you know we all know so many people that we've lost you know so you just have to have I think a bit of perspective about it and and like anxiety and stress is a big issue for a lot of people now Mm -hmm. Uh, so I think the more that we can just reassure people about being themselves just keep going put one foot in front of the other just be resilient and keep turning up, uh, I think that's important, and, you know, and not be worried about what other people think. Yeah. yeah, and
3: calling it, calling it what it is as well, I think that's a big, big one for me, is if I'm ever doing a talk for anybody, just before I do start, the minute you call, whatever you're feeling out there, it just takes the whole, it just cuts yeah. it in half, so if I'm doing a talk or anything, I just say, I'm a little bit nervous here now, so bear yeah. with me.
2: Uh, or even in a job interview. Yeah. I'm just feeling a little bit of tension. I feel a lot of tension or feel a lot of nervous. You not know, before you start, and it just, once you voice it, it just, I think, it helps you settle. Mm. So you know, Maybe not if you're addressing in the UN or something, maybe, maybe you, you won't do that, Like, but you'll find different ways. you as you as ways, you, find, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. But that's just one way, I don't know.
3: But we're very lucky as well, Michael, because a lot of our stuff, like, you'll have a lot of stuff now that you have to talk about, and it's structured. yeah. Our stuff is more or less it's our story and how we're relating to other people yeah. when we're talking to them. So, like when when there's structure from me, it's like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's but let's,
2: but let's say you now um, you were given you had to give a presentation on mm. Do you talk all day and all night about oh, that.
3: You, you'd have to drag me off the yeah. stage. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, but you're, you're But you're, yeah. you're never
2: yeah. going to like, go. Well, Public speaking, talking about something I haven't got a clue about. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You're always going to be prepared. Like Preparation is the key to yeah. all of this stuff as well.
0: What did you do in college? Did you go to UCC? I did, yeah. I did commerce, yeah. Business for for four years. Um, and what did you do afterwards? So I I joined KPMG um, in Cork, so yeah. their office on the South Mall to do chartered accountancy. So um, I was lucky that you know I did well enough in college that I, I did have choices, but I wanted to stay in Cork and... Like, that was a big deal for us, a big deal for my family, you know, to have someone putting on a shirt yeah. and tie every day yeah, and going right, out to yeah. work into an office environment, which I think was, look, a sign of, of progress, a sign of yeah. change in many ways. And again, just the opportunity that wasn't there for the people that came came did before you, me. And I was just, I was determined to, to do the best that I could did for them have, as much as for you, myself. Did you
2: have, like, imposter syndrome starting out, kind of booking the trend of kind of blue collar work going into that office environment um, you don't you don't really have anybody in your family to kind of like give you your stepping out of that for the first time so did you feel comfortable in it were you confident or did you
0: feel like a little bit exposed or I think you'd always be nervous like it was my first real job as such and it was a professional environment and you know you have to learn you have to learn a lot um, yeah. because you're doing something for the first time but no, in fairness, they were very welcoming and um, very open and mm-hmm. uh, you, you know, you'd be a bit apprehensive but you just keep, yeah. keep, you keep learning going. Up and keep yeah. going on with it. And you it's know? about facing do the, the fear. Yeah. It's a big deal.
3: Yeah. Like a lot of people, um, the reason that they don't go further in their lives or their jobs or whatever is because when an opportunity comes up and the fear comes in and they feel fear, it stops them from bypassing that little little area that they can never pass. But if you feel the fear and go past it and keep doing that and every time fear comes into you because we all have fear because we think we're not good enough or that we can't do it, you know. When you go over that and you cross over that line and you know you can do it. It's like me when we started this I was terrified doing terrified and I could barely talk My, my no, it's it's it comes natural to me because I'm so used to it. Sometimes I do get confused with my words because at times my vocabulary can get yeah. catch me. But yeah. it's about facing the fear and just stepping over it and just saying, "I'm going to try it and see what
0: happens." But I think what people love about your podcast is just that it's natural. Like it's not rehearsed. You know, yeah. Yeah. you're not reading lines. The two of you sitting there, you've not nothing in front of you, oh. and you're just letting it flow. And you know, in life, we don't get much opportunity for that no. nowadays. You know, just take away the noise and just talk. Mm. And it's it's lovely to be able to do it. And it's great to get to know people as well properly.
3: Like, yeah. We, you know, a lot of our guests, they come in here and we mightn't have met them before. And we just make it so simple and easy for everybody sitting at the table because we're not out here to get any nitty or gritty nothing. We're here just to have a chat. Who are you? Where did you come from? What are you about now? And what are you doing? Because... It's Inspiring, you're going to inspire the next generation of um the leaders of the country. Do you, do you know if they're listening here around politics because of your background? Yeah, and it shows that anybody can be Absolutely. a politician, yeah.
2: minister, uh, or even like you know, by creating a bit of transparency here you now and the role maybe in a minute, like just to get people that may be not for it, it might, it might you know next time they get the opportunity yeah. they might vote you know, because it's important to vote no matter who you vote for absolutely yeah how did yeah. you get involved in politics how did that come about
0: yeah so i was i was lucky where i lived in passage west and um, Monkstone. there was a, a town council so it was like the, the the first step on the ladder as such they're all abolished now unfortunately but um i ran for election there uh when i was in it was in kpmg training i edge. ran for i was 22 my first uh, election, I I did have an ele- an election in college, Commerce and Economic Society, and that was probably when I really I suppose felt that you know I could do this. Were you a member of Unifile at the stage? Um, in college, I, I was a member, but not active. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't really active, um, because to be honest with you, I did I did kind of focus on my work, yeah. and uh, I, I think I had a lot to prove. I felt that I was motivated um to do well, and I, I concentrated on that. But I did join Fianna Fáil uh, in college and then became more involved immediately afterwards Mm. and joined the local common. I remember going out to uh, the clinic of Michal Martin Mm. in Carrigaline one day and I was I'd say 19 or 20 and I was asking him how do you become involved in the party and I told him I'd love to be involved and maybe run someday and to be fair to him he was very welcoming and he explained to me that there were uh, family just down the road from me who were in the, the local common that i should go and talk to them and they might bring me in and take it from there and i did that and joined a local common then ran for the first election got 474 votes and probably a lot more than i needed Mm. the great thing about that level is like 150 200 votes to get you elected Mm. and the council had no real power but fantastic learning experience just to get to all the officials to come in and answer questions about your area and and you learn from your colleagues as well who had a lot more experience than me so that was that was a great um grounding how did you find going
2: canvassing for the first time
0: um i found that as a young candidate there was a great welcome you know i think people do like yeah. someone new and fresh and, and kind of different um and i, I would have been involved locally and in, you know clubs yeah. and that kind of thing so i would have known a lot of people but definitely i think being a first-time candidate there, there was a welcome Um, And I suppose growing up, as I kind of went through my teenage years and I was going through college, I just did have that sense that I wanted to do something different. I think there is great value in being involved in in your area, first of all, uh, your community, and then getting their trust and their support, being uh, elected to represent them and to have an influence over things that affect people in their day-to-day lives. That, for me, was the motivation and remains the motivation. Today, I, I could have gone on to do, you know, Different things, um, but I'm delighted with the path I chose, and thankfully it worked out. It must yeah.
2: be a big honour to have, yeah. you know, people, your your constituents or your peers to get up off their house and go out and actually mm. vote for you and endorse. It's massive, you know? yeah. You know, this is a big thing, I'd say. It's massive. It's really humbling,
0: you know, that they go out of their way yeah. uh, to go in and vote, and like we. We take democracy for granted, but you know we look around the world, and we really shouldn't take it for granted. And give out about the people elected—that's fine. That's the, the that that's our right. It's the people's right, and they can replace them. But sure, isn't it great that they can go in and replace yeah. them yeah. with somebody else that they choose, and they'll give out about them then, and they'll probably replace them <laughs> yeah. the time after that. That's but right. look, that that's a great system. Uh, instead of yeah. you know,
3: but politics politics is one of these areas is such a grey area because, uh, particularly in your position. You're right at the moment, you're Minister for Finance, public, public expenditure. Yeah. So, like, you have to make sure that money goes here, and you might be taking money from a different area to yeah. put it here. Like, and then the people who are getting the money were all the time, and it's been taken a little bit has been taken to be for the money to go somewhere where it really needs it as well. It can be such a, a kind of difficult process because. You're getting shit off these people because you're taking yep. some money here. To, to it's like how does how does how do you deal with that?
0: Like we've been lucky, I suppose, in the last couple of years that we've been we've been trying to spend money yeah. to support the economy and support people during COVID. Just people who lost their jobs because of public health restrictions trying to look after them as best we could with you know pup and different payments mm. and then helping businesses as well uh, through all the various schemes that are there but like i've been in politics as well uh, at times when there were se- serious cuts mm. and like that was pretty brutal mm. uh, i was you know backbench td was elected in 2007 and within a, really a year or more the whole so, thing yeah. had gone bust like the financial crisis property collapsed and it's uh, difficult canvassing at that stage. Then yeah, it was brutal. Yeah, yeah. Just, just my second general election was um, was incredibly tough. Yeah, you'd be going to a door, people you'd know well, and you'd be, really "God, I know know him or her, no, that's great." Mm. And then they'd just say, "No, not this time, Michael. No, too much has happened. Can't put you back in." Yeah, and that's hard. You, you know people well, and but look, they were hurting. They were you hurting.
3: S- you must have seen a lot of pain in people's faces because it a lot did. of people like they lost their businesses, some people yeah. lost their homes. Yeah. You know, like and, and you're looking at that, how did you feel when, when all this was going on? It can be tough for any human being.
0: Very, very tough. Yeah, that was the, the hardest election I've ever experienced and you just have to understand where people are coming from. Yeah. You know, they're not being cross with you for the sake of it. it is because they are hurting. They might not be able to provide for their family in the way that they want to or they might be falling behind in a mortgage yeah. or struggling on a housing list and you just have to try to put yourself in their shoes and always trying to see the world from the person that you're talking to and you
3: know sometimes your intentions and i can see that i can see it i can see what kind of person you look like a, a good man family man and y- you really want to help people Do you know and when you're all canvassing and you're telling people i am going to work my absolute best on this i am going to try everything in my power to get, it. yeah but sometimes maybe you can't get something over the line yeah. and then you have to face these people again how does that feel mike
0: well, I mean, you learn, you know, I suppose you learn to manage expectations. You know, sometimes politicians overpromise and that's yeah. what gives us a bad name is we overpromise. And then we come back a few years later and <laughs> haven't delivered what was promised. So I think being honest with people and being straight with them works. People respect that. And the message you have might be what they want to hear, that I can not promise you a house mm. or I can't mm. promise that I'll resolve this issue or that issue. But I promise I will work. Do my very, very best for you, and we'll stay in touch and we'll try and work our way through it. So that's the approach I take. Um, but look, there's no getting away from uh, like elections are really, really tough on the candidate and the people around you, and there's no hiding place. You're Mm. if you're on that ballot paper, there is no hiding place, everybody will know how you did in the end, yeah. Uh, And you know, it's a fantastic thing when you're elected. Um, and thankfully, I haven't lost uh, a general election. Um, Could happen someday and you just have to deal with that then but but certainly during those years, you know when Cuts were being imposed on people's welfare and pay of public servants When just investment generally by government was being reduced to get the country kind of back on track and get the budget back into a better position But I, I suppose that has shaped my own views now that while we are in better times and we're in good shape as a country financially we just have to be careful because I know I know the devastation that can be caused if you go too far like in politics the easiest thing would be to do everything for everyone yeah. and tell them all, yeah. Oh, yeah I'll do that no problem and we'll spend this money here and that money there and we we'll do that over there um, it's a ro- the road to ruination and it's the road to the next round of cuts mm-hmm. um, because uh, like at the end of the day a, a government that loses confidence internationally is going to get into real difficulty and that works its way down down to hurt ordinary people mm. in communities all over the country so when we say no to certain things it's because we believe that's the right thing to do because to to try and satisfy everyone and promise everything to everyone it's the road to disaster for yeah. Ireland that's yeah. just my view
2: it's uh, do you know, around th- around that recession 2011 there would be a lot of people no access to this podcast from canada and australia yeah. that would have emigrated off the back of that do you know no they've set up outside across the water and um they have dark mortgages and their kids or whatever so that was because of a recession but at the moment there's a lot of people leaving the country as well and we actually have a very good economy at the moment do you know we have full employment and yeah. almost full employment do you know and things are good but do you know obviously housing is the big is the big issue yeah like do you think that you're like you're a finance man you're an accountant you're in in the, the office you're in do you think that there's a disconnect in Ireland between Ireland as a society and Ireland as an economy and what good is a good economy if people can't afford do you know what I mean if if your salary is on the increase if we've less people on the live register but there's still still there's no kind of still not balanced do you know what I mean
0: yeah and like the the whole value in having a good economy is to try and create a a good and decent society with with good services like that's the kind of politics I believe in it's not capitalism for the sake of it but the resources that are generated through taxes and so on should be used then to invest in, in mm. housing and in healthcare in facilities and local communities and so on mm. and look, housing is the biggest issue we face, I'm not going to sugarcoat it yeah. like we've got to do, we've got to deliver far more homes of all kinds in Ireland it, it, is, it is a tragedy to see people um, homeless, to see people on a housing list for 10, mm. 12, 14 years um, it's built up over a long time and we just we have to get to grips with it. Uh, it and it's not it is of course an economic issue but it's first and foremost a social issue mm. and like I do believe in social justice because of where I come from I I understand the value of opportunity yeah. uh, and we have a great country in Ireland yeah. we really do and we, we are doing well overall we're only 100 years yeah. old Ireland's only 100 years old we're now living about 25 years longer than people were 100 yeah. years ago and you look at health outcomes and education and employment opportunities like it has transformed but we have major problems mm-hmm. um, particularly in housing and I, I would be the first to acknowledge that and we have to do more and we have to do better
2: but you know like all of us here in the studio probably grew up in social housing without the corporation where would we yeah. be we've yeah. said this before on the podcast like we used to have a lot of corporation houses before um corporations building houses would you like to see a return to that or maybe like like have have private investment is important that we're not looking like a marxist state or anything like that have private investors to come in or private landlords whatever but also have a kind of a social side of it you know what i mean a social democratic side where the government would be building houses alongside private you know
0: yeah, and, and like that is happening now, but I'll be the first to admit that uh, that for a, a period of time it, it didn't happen. The state kind of stepped back from directly building homes. Mm-hmm. And and I suppose because of my own background, um, like I do recognise the, the value because I know the security it gave to, yeah. to my family that they yeah, otherwise wouldn't exactly. have had. They were renting, you know, like many people would be now and they did get... The opportunity of becoming uh, tenants in a council estate and moved on from there and some people want to move on some people buy out that home uh, and others just just stay there as tenants for the rest rest of their lives but it gives them that anchor it gives them that security of having a home and so we we are now and i know you don't want to go into the politics and policies of it but uh, i would argue that we are now getting back to that building more public homes uh, in a serious way like we did that as a country when we were much much poorer um And so through mm. the, the the approved housing bodies mm. and the local authorities now they basically bring in builders, yeah. contractors. They don't employ them directly. Yeah. Uh, they so they 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 contract in those services now. But do you think? Uh, we, we just need a lot more of it. Yeah, yeah. it's because we're 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 a good bit behind because there was state
2: stood back as you said for a period yeah. of the time. So we're, we're playing catch up. Yes, mm. we are. Yeah. I we think are. I think yep.
3: the solution to that at the moment maybe in the modular housing, you not know, uh, start because they're so quick put up so quick but we yeah. still have we, we still have complications around planning yeah and that's a big big complication because of the planning laws in these this country it takes so long for it, it to is. get over the line yeah. can government not come to decision around certain areas or in, in ireland where housing is needed Look yeah. at areas where we could put modular housing in and say, right, we have to bypass the planning here in this area. Yeah. I know you've onboard now and all these other organisations who might get the way. But we, in order for us to solve some of the housing issues we have, these are ways that we can solve them is, is start bringing in some of these international yeah. companies to do the modular housing. They have certain housing, you know, You could there's booklets where you can get them built. We'll do the foundation. Yeah. It's it, It's just my opinion that we could solve a lot of these issues if we just make it easier with the paperwork side of it as well, with the planning and stuff.
0: Yeah, look, I, I would acknowledge like there was resistance within the, the system to modular build or rapid build. To doing it in a significant way but we've made that decision now we are going to okay. and we are going to fast track planning and we're going to give a lot of powers um to to the minister there will be opposition there will be resistance you know um that that is the reality we have to yeah. face yeah. but we're, we're doing it for we started by doing it for ukrainians and you know you have the scheme in mahan yeah. for example and um, that's underway but we are now going to do it as well for people on the social housing list. Um, they're really top quality homes. Yeah. You know, they're, they're they have a tenure of sixty to eighty years, mm. and they're a lot better than being in a hotel yeah. or being on the street. And they are, you know, they're they're really good quality. Well So we are going to yeah. do that because the traditional build and con- you know, site selection and procurement and planning and all of that oh it's it's it is slow. And we have a crisis. Yeah, so we just to with it. but you know,
3: talking about the talking about that wherever we do put these houses as well say if they're put into an area we do we have to make sure that we have an area for a gp a shop maybe a community center all these different things so i think
2: when uh i could be wrong now but i think no when if if there's local authority houses i think for every 45 units there has to be some a certain amount of services put into the area as well i think that's how it works as well
0: yeah yeah look Th- that is the ideal, yeah. um, but I think we just have to get on with building them in the best place we possibly mm. can. Um, but like some of those services are under strain as well. People find it difficult to get a, a GP now if they move into an area, mm. and so on. So it, it may not be perfect. Yeah. But like when you have eleven thousand plus people homeless, yeah. Um, and we have inward migration now, you know, at a at a major scale, mm. not just Ukrainians, but people coming from a whole host of non-EU countries. The Ireland is an attractive place. But it puts added pressure on a system that's already under strain, yeah. uh, and you know, just putting people into hotels long term is not a solution. Do
3: but You know, you, the system's under strain. I'm 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 taking it that it's probably because of COVID, no, and everything. Has the government kind of reached a place where they're set again to a way that they were before COVID, that there's there's not very much stress financially on on the government at any uh, anymore over.
0: Well, yeah, like the the recovering the economy was better than anyone really expected. And Mm. that's been a great help. You know, we've we've a lot more people working in Ireland right now than we ever had at any time in our history. And like if, if, if Covid had been handled badly, a lot of businesses would have gone to the wall and never recovered. Um, but thankfully the overwhelming majority of them survived you yeah. know, with support uh, And they they appreciate that support They did survive And now they're facing different challenges with energy costs And other costs um, uh, at the moment But yeah, I looked at the public finances uh, have dramatically improved We're getting a huge amount of corp- corporation tax receipts Particularly from large multinationals uh, Which is really helping us But we do have to be careful not to make permanent expenditure plans on the back of those receipts. Those receipts may not last. Mm. And if we say we're going to increase welfare by 50 euro a week, or increase the pay of public servants by 20% because we're getting these receipts in, the receipts might stop. You still have the bill every year. And then you end up into a cycle of cuts again. So we're gonna gonna put some of it away, put some of it into capital, Mm. spend, you know, houses, things that are kind of one off in nature. Um, so you do just need to be careful because we're, we're we've got a really bonanza of yeah. corporation tax receipts coming in that won't last forever. Um, so like when it comes to housing, it's it's we're in a strange place in that money is not really the constraint that it was. The housing department won't spend all their money this year. Okay, it's 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 delivery, its capacity, its sites, it, it's, its planning, it, yeah. its delays, yeah. its objections. Um, so that's why we just have to try and cut through. A lot of that red tape, uh, insofar as we can, and get homes built. Because there might be a perception out there that, like, the government
2: is, you know, apathetic to the cause of people, to the plight of people. But it's not that the money is there, but there's more obstacles than just the money, and they will. Especially now,
0: yeah, that wasn't always the case. Now, you know, I'm not going to suggest it was money. You know, in in normal times, money is the limiting factor. Yeah. Um, but at this time, it's not really when it comes to housing. So it just means the state has to step in and do more directly because the private sector are dealing with materials inflation, you know, labour shortages. Yeah. They're really struggling too. There are a lot of sites in Cork um, and all over Ireland that have planning permission, Yeah. but they haven't started because they're not viable at the moment. And so we have to step in in a lot of those cases now and just partner with the developer or the owner and the state become more directly involved and build out those schemes because we can afford to do so at the moment You mentioned um, yes, inflation
2: there yeah. uh, Will you explain to me what inflation is in a nutshell because I'm like I can't get my head around inflation economics at the best of times anyway Michael to be honest but If you can explain to me what inflation is and how you know, prices rise and like maybe the different socio-economic factors involved or maybe political factors or how what does it take to cause inflation
0: yeah like it normally happens when let's say an economy is overheating and there's just more demand than there is supply you know Uh, and so if you've a lot of people trying to buy something and there's only say a few people bidding on a house and there's only one house then the price is going to be higher so hey i'm ryan reynolds at mid mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot Normally, just a mismatch of you know more demand than there is supply. Um, of course, like coming out of COVID, uh, so the economies around the world really stopped during COVID 19 Mm -hmm. and the way production systems have gone in recent decades, they don't really tend to stockpile a huge amount of of stock, it's Mm -hmm. all this kind of just in time production they make product as and when they're needed. Mm -hmm. And so, the economy stopped, and then come when the restrictions started to ease all over the world, massive demand. For goods and, and services and like chip shortage and the, si- the systems just couldn't respond quickly enough and that just drove up prices um, and materials mm. were in short supply and sure some timber and steel products you know went up 60 80 100 percent in some yeah. cases uh, so there was inflation before the war but then the war just um, took it to a whole new level especially with with energy uh, and the fear that Russian gas And Europe has been really dependent on Russian gas coming in. that that might be cut off that might be in in short supply and people were were just paying a premium for it and so it's just added a whole new level to inflation like it's now about 10 percent inflation at the moment which is the highest in about 40 years uh, in ireland and then the 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 main way that uh, the system tries Mm. to deal with inflation is by increasing interest rates so basically the central banks are trying to dampen down economic activity Mm. they're trying to press down demand which, uh, you know, will will hurt an economy. But the view is that if you don't get inflation under control, it becomes stubborn. It just become, becomes sticky and it, it stays there forever. Mm-hmm. And then if governments keep spending more money to resolve it, that's putting more money into the system and that's adding fuel and mm-hmm. inflation goes even higher. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, the medicine for inflation is interest rates going up. Mm-hmm. And that hurts. It hurts people with mortgages, yeah. with business loans and so on. But... The overall, it wouldn't be the view of everyone, but the mainstream view of economists is that you have to, you just have to raise interest rates to get inflation down, get it back under control. Mm. The European Central Bank, and we're part of that, they want to get it down to 2%, and it's currently 10% across Europe. So they've got a long way to go, and unfortunately we're going to see interest rates go up higher, and that will reduce demand and that will dampen activity. But Mm. in an Irish context, we're coming from a really really high-based economy, has been flying yeah. really well in the main, um, but you're, you're seeing the effects of it come through now in the tech sector. Advertising on tech platforms has diminished consumer mm. demand. You know, in a lot of places in the world, has has shrunk, uh, and so that that is the beginning of the um, efforts to get inflation under uh, under control, dampen down economic activity, mm. um, and then hopefully get it to a more steady state. And get demand and supply matching each other a little bit more evenly. So, <clears throat> so
3: inflation has gone up. People, people yeah. stop buying. They stop spending because of the cost of stuff. Yeah. So, if people aren't spending money, then that will affect the economy as well, won't it? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, but it, does that mean the economy will go into recession, or, or what it does could. it
0: mean? Uh, it could, but uh, we don't think it will in Ireland. Okay. Now, like recession is a is a very bad word, but yeah. it can mean an awful lot of different things. Yeah. You know the, the 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 kind of technical phrases that the economy shrinks for, say, two quarters mm. in a row. Um, but the, you know the most important thing is that you keep people at work, yeah. because if people if businesses go to the wall and thousands of people lose their job, it just spirals then because they're on social welfare. The longer they're out of work, the harder it is to get back into work. So if we can keep employment levels high in Ireland. Mm. And we're coming from a good base because there are shortages of people yeah. across a whole range of sectors. So I think our economy can absorb a slowdown in different sectors because there um there is demand elsewhere. Yeah. And you think of the services sector, pubs, restaurants and so on, shops, they're all looking for people. You know, so, so
3: there so is So even the construction industry, Michael, because we need so many houses at the moment, yeah. I think that industry is going to be safe. Okay. Whatever about the commercial side of it. That's different. But I'm looking at the demand for housing. So say, for example, we have 200,000 construction workers working in this country. They are all needed for the level of housing we need at the moment. And I know the government is behind the housing crisis and they will pump whatever money into getting enough houses sorted. So if you have 200,000 employees in the construction, you've indirect then as well, which you have... Um, builders, providers, shops, yeah. accountants—these are all. So I think as long as we do keep construction going at a level and keep it tipping away in this country, we will be fine. That's that's my understanding of of it because I'm I'm in yeah. that industry and, you know, from being in college and listening to lecturers talking about the the, the different um, hot and cold areas of, around recession, particularly around construction. I got a belief that. If construction keeps going we can keep everything else going as well outside yeah
0: of it. it might mean that you're kind of diverting some activity from commercial construction offices yeah. and so on more towards residential yeah that might happen because you've only so many builders in the country um but as long as the the, the broad economy remains pretty healthy and mm. so that c- comprises lots of different elements foreign direct investment is huge in ireland and okay. it, it, it continues to be good Uh, The idea of the record year last year, and despite the global environment, they're doing really well this year. So that's paying a lot of mortgages and a lot of rents and is sustaining a lot of families. And that provides business then for people in construction, and it allows people to borrow, you know, to do an extension or to buy a home and so on. So that's one part of it. And then you have the the indigenous economy, uh, and that is driven in large part by, you know, the the amount of money that people have, uh, their disposable income. And by however successful those businesses are doing to sell goods uh, around the world in exporting uh, so they will be impacted by yeah. the, the slowdown globally a lot of our trading partners are going to go into recession the UK is in recession they're our biggest trading partner at country level so and um, I'm not saying it won't have an impact it will okay. um, We we think growth will slow to quite a low level in Ireland you know very very modest growth if you're asking me could it just tip to the negative of course it could mm. it's possible but I don't think if that does happen, and we don't think it does. But if if it does happen, we don't think it'll feel like the recession of the 1980s or, Hot, or yeah. the COVID period. We we yeah. we don't see that happening, and nobody is predicting that, um, for Ireland. Yeah.
2: Can yeah. I ask you about your office that you hold at the moment, the ministerial minister for public expenditure? Mm-hmm. What like, what kind of a team have you got around Jan? And you know, the budget is obviously the big thing. Uh, yeah. annually that you do like how do you actually budget billions like have you got a team of accountants Um, like how what, yeah. what's the practicalities of the office
0: yeah so it's a big department and like up to about 11 years ago you just had the department of finance and then it was split into the two finance and, and spending basically and so our core function is to manage public expenditure it's about 90 billion a year that <laughs> the dog votes through <laughs> uh, in money and and you look, you have big elements of that. You know, social welfare is a big element. Health is a big element. Paying public servants uh, is is a big element as well. So, look, the most challenging part of, of the year is the, the the budget process and negotiating. And it's it's it is old school negotiations, like yeah. it is um, with ministers. And and so that would have fallen to me. Um, so the the process starts in the summer. The budget is normally October this year. It was late September. We brought it brought it forward because of the um, the cost of living. Um, The officials would be kind of hammering out negotiations for weeks and weeks, but then eventually it gets to the minister's meeting, and sometimes you'd agree the budget in one meeting, and other times you wouldn't, and it could go down to the wire. But I suppose what helps me is that the government has agreed what the overall strategy is, so it might be, for argument's sake, that spending is going to grow by 6%. Mm. So if someone comes in to me And says they want 20% I say well look how can I give you 20% yeah. When I have to stick to 6% overall And I could, if I give you 20 It means that, that minister over there And the minister of housing and health They get nothing And that's mm. not going to work So you need to come back With a more realistic proposal yeah. So it's it's fairly so is it it's like, fairly kinda of ground hurling like yeah, it's it sounds like proper negotiation.
2: For example, yeah. if uh Simon Harris I would, we use fictional, if, uh, Timmy's the Minister for Justice and I'm the Minister for Health, right? Yeah. And uh, I I obviously try and look after my sector and he's yeah. trying to look after his sector. Uh, do I like Michael gonna go for a coffee there
0: and do you know or uh, how how does it work? Like is it do pick yeah, up the do, phone or they do it? try and get you away from the officials. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they do. Um and uh, I, I look, you know, you have to get on well with colleagues and understand where they're coming from. They all want to get the best of course, for their of sector course. and they want to be seen to have delivered, yeah. you know, the biggest investment ever mm. in education or healthcare or, or whatever. But I, because, like, my department is pretty much at the centre of government and we have, we have contact with all of them, we have to make sure that there's an overall message to the budget. Mm. So this budget gone was about cost of living. Yeah. So my priority was payments for people and... Um, a fund to help businesses with energy I think so it went like, down well in most realms I think generally it did but it just means then that you can't do everything mm. you know if people come in and they want a uh, in massive increase in investment in other areas then as far as I was concerned and we had a government agreement around this mm. that the priority this time was to help people get through the winter with their bills you know whether it be the energy credits or the, the all the, the special yeah. payments in recent weeks and so, y- you just have to make sure that there is an overall kind of cohesion and a message to the budget mm-hmm. that it's not just a bit here yeah. and a bit there. And is it difficult?
2: Know. Is it difficult doing it then, where it's not a full finophile government and some of them is Fynigail and is there different in values or
0: different in ethos or, or is it? Does it make it harder? It, it does, yeah. Um, but you have a program for government, um, so that's agreed, agreed already agreed at the start yeah. but that look that doesn't always kind of help you too much when it comes down to individual budgetary decisions but it it is a reference point but yeah like parties will be looking at it from their own perspective and they'll all build Mm. their own market around the budget that they delivered this and they delivered that so you could get into endless rows and arguments but Mm. miss the bigger picture the people out there generally don't care too much about you know what party got the most in the budget they just want to know what did the budget do for them and did it did it make any effort to address the main issues the country is facing so you just have to keep that in your mind but yeah you you need the patience of a saint and you just need to keep talking and that's what i always say if a meeting ends badly i just say look we'll stick at it we'll keep talking and we'll find a way through it there will be a budget there has to be a budget Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. know and i'll be standing up to deliver my part of a budget no matter what
2: yeah i work with a lot of older people and when the budget was announced uh, the energy credits especially took a lot of pressure off them. Yeah. so that's why my like when i seen the budget and i seen that i felt it was a good thing mm-hmm. but there's probably a lot of other people that maybe that didn't affect them so much and they, they thought it was a bad budget but you're in a place where you can not kind of please everyone you're just trying to be do with your integrity as best as you can with the resources given to you and the circumstances that you're met with and like me and timmy often said as well like We've met yourself. We met Miss McIntyre last week. We've met the T shock. We find uh, politicians to be g- generally nice people trying to do as best as they can. And you know, if you just give them half a chance, or I don't know, try to have a bit of an understanding as to like the enormity of the task ahead. you, yeah. do you know what I mean? A budget of yeah. eighty billion, a population of five million, and you're you're not going to please please everybody. But yeah. you do know, yeah. as best as you can.
0: You have to prioritize. You know, you can't do everything. Yeah. And uh, I always say. To My colleagues like everything can be the priority, you know. Yeah, <laughs> something has to be the priority, which yeah. means something else isn't, and um, you, you you just have to respond to the circumstances you face as well. Mm. And in this budget, like it just had to be about the cost of living, yeah, because you yeah. would be very worried about people, and,
3: and, and particularly the older people, yeah, when they're at home and they're afraid to turn on their fires or, yeah, you know, the coal, even coal doubled in price this year, yeah, you know, but uh, just regarding fuel and stuff like that, um. I, you might be able to answer this. I don't know if you can or not. <clears throat> but in relation to the energy crisis that we're having, not just here in Ireland but all over Europe, everywhere, has Ireland looked at that as in a way that we need to structure some form of yeah. of, of of way that we're providing our own our own energy to yeah. our own country, like we have we have the coast of Ireland we have. We have wave technology, we have turbines, we have so much that we could use to source that we don't need energy from anywhere else. Now, and I know eventually we're probably going to have, it'll all be electric, we'll get rid of gas and oil down the line. How far away are we from having a source of energy ourselves in this country?
0: I think in the 2030s we will be self-sufficient, we will be energy independent, like the wind energy ireland came out there recently and said in the month of october 47% of electricity in ireland was generated from renewables and okay. um, the aim is for that to be 80% by the 2030s 80% from uh, from renewables now it wouldn't be 47% every month uh-huh. on average across the year it's about, uh, it's been about a third of our electricity so that's really good we're actually yeah. leaders yeah. in onshore wind and the next big thing uh, in ireland including here in cork would be offshore wind floating offshore and they'll be so far you won't see them look there will be challenges and objections and so on but that's the big thing for us you will always need backup fuel Mm -hmm. you'll always need gas and it'll be a transition and it'll be a backup and we are going to have to extend the life of some of the the traditional um, electricity generation stations Mm -hmm. just to make sure we we get through the period but like ireland will be a net exporter of energy in time and even doubt about that you, like if if we if we're using
3: 47 percent of our energy from sustainable technologies like yep. why is the energy why have energy costs gone up so much still drastically are are is it because of other bodies that are supplying energy have just are they just trying to screw people basically or, or what
0: so the the remainder of our energy then is generally gas generated mm-hmm. so that has come in from um a connection with the uk um via Scotland, so the price has gone up a lot yeah. and then the way that energy has been priced um it is based on it's been basically based on the the gas price, so even the non gas okay. energy has been based on gas yeah um, so you can understand where I'm coming from yeah, Slaw, absolutely you know yeah, absolutely it, 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 it,
3: because if we have forty seven percent everything has gone up across the board yeah it's, yeah so.
0: it's just the wholesale markets uh, yeah re, no the good the, the good news is that they have come back a lot. Mm. Uh, and has fallen an awful lot from the peak But that has not has yet to make its way through Do you think billions. they'll ever
3: go back to where they were Michael? Do you think the prices will ever go back to where they were before Probably the war? Probably
0: not, not in the short to medium yeah. term They tend never to fully go back to No them, they you always yeah. So you'd have to say that for the foreseeable future They're going to be higher It's the same with construction yeah, construction was fully back.
3: We we were told that there was going to be a thirty percent hike in insulation costs because of the cost of transport to Ireland, because of the the costs of of powering the plant where they make the insulation. So it was a thirty percent hike. Then all of yeah. a sudden it was another hike here for this. No people aren't building their houses. People who've gotten loans off banks they can't afford to pay for the cost of materials. So the money that they got for the mortgage is sitting in the bank. Yeah. The cost of materials just can keep, keep rising. Is there anything there for people that have gotten mortgages, okay, and they actually can't afford to build their houses because of the increases in in in, in material costs? Is there something government has done for any of these people?
0: So there's nothing specific to that circumstance. Like we've extended okay. the the help to buy scheme. Uh, again out to twenty twenty four, that's where people can get, you know, up to thirty thousand euro. We got that new in February. Home. Yeah. We we, we bought so a house in
2: February and one and actually you're talking about gas there, we've no gas, which is great. We've the air to water, we've the heat yeah. pump. Mm. which but we've only half the bill which is, you know, a big change for us, you know?
0: Yeah. And was that a house in a in a housing estate? Out in the country. So, uh, out uh, past coach from the new direction. Build, no build, no, yeah. no
2: build, so we were able to get uh i won't say how much we were able to get a, a significant sum back from revenue when they help away. Yeah. it was yeah. income tax that we yeah. paid four years previous to that that's right yeah and it was very quickly done as well yeah it's a good scheme yeah. because
0: the other one that is quite new is a shared equity scheme where that if you do have a gap between how much you you have and can borrow and the price of the of the house the state can partner with you now and take a share okay um that you don't, you don't have to pay back in the short term, mm. so it might might help people to get over to get over that hump. Mm. Um, and there's a fair bit of interest in that scheme at the moment. And there yeah. was a reduction from twenty
2: to ten percent for second time buyers, going into twenty twenty three. So if you're a second time buyer, previously you had to have a deposit of twenty percent mm. for the next for the next right, home, but yeah. it's come
0: back to ten now. That's right. Which yeah, which same which as first time buyers now. Yeah, right? yeah. 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 yeah.
3: So they are good initiatives really to help people get yeah. back in their feet if if, if they're able yeah you know, because every time I walk into a builders provider's nowadays they seem to be busy in the air because the materials that are going out and are going out onto sites but then you you don't see many one off like pe- builders that are building one off houses in there anymore buying materials that not too much because of
2: of the, the yeah because of the People pulling the plugs and bills. Yeah, so yeah. You know, T- Timmy's in construction. I'm in uh, the third sector. You can community work. Um, so let's say in the private industry, if you know inflation, costs of you know materials stuff go up, then you can put up your price and increase wages. Yeah. But in the third sector, section thirty nine workers like myself, and a lot of people I know, they. Funding is rigid, do you know. Mm. So, let's say if Timmy's the CEO of a charity and he pays his workers 34 grand a year for the last 10 years, That's that stays the same regardless. I and mean, I don't know, is this your area? But, like, do you think that there'll ever be a case where that will be reviewed to match kind of the current economic situation? Or do you think that yeah. that's not a priority at the moment? It,
0: it is a real issue, yeah. There's no doubt. You see, like these it's very hard for those section 30, you know, it is, to keep yeah. staff at the moment, yeah. Yeah no I have i met a number of them and they've they've explained um, mm. even the consequences of the the public pay deal yeah. which was a good deal yeah. and was you know endorsed by all the unions but they would make the case then that it, it makes their job more difficult mm. to to attract and to retain people see they're not they're not strictly speaking public service employees that right. are employed by They'd you be know, funded charity or like community yeah. body but they're grant aided by yeah. by the government and it's. Like if you were drawing up a a system now from scratch, you wouldn't do it that way, you know, because um, look, it built up over decades. Some of them would have had a religious um, ethos originally and became charities and would be funded by the state. So there are some cases now before the Workplace Relations Commission, and that's probably the best way in the short term Mm -hmm. to deal with it. But I do think we, we do have to have a look at that wider community and voluntary sector like they don't all want to be public servants i've met some of these bodies and they they don't want to become what's called section 38 That's where they are essentially public service yeah. they want to remain section 39 but have the pay issue dealt with yeah because they, they want like, autonomy
2: yeah they do they want the autonomy but they also want like the pay scale the, the pension or the, the security even the job security like every uh, every year you you put up the tender and a lot of the time um like a lot of the work that uh, section 39 organizations is building relationships with people and that yeah. can take a lot of time mm-hmm. and very hard to quantify yeah. and then that service could go to tender which is basically a lot of real people's relationships goes out to tender yeah. but it's just an insecure and precarious industry to be in and if Cork City Council or the HSC or some other one then starts recruiting then they just leave the section thirty nine organisations right, and, yeah. and it's very. But we need and it became a big. Well, I suppose the light was shown on Those key workers, community workers, new workers, to start the COVID, wasn't it? We just realised how important that those workers actually are, you know.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's it's a big issue, particularly in in health and disability service providers. Um, they're not they're not state state run. Um, yeah. but they provide a service for the state, and it's just built up over a long time, but you can't just bring them all into the public service you'd be adding tens of thousands of people overnight and yeah. um, to and the budget pay alone. and pensions it wouldn't it wouldn't so I, and i do think that there 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 probably is some duplication as well there like there there's definitely opportunity there to make it more efficient like if you take all the bodies in in say the disability sector like central procurement would help to save a lot of the money even yeah. some shared services would help mm. to save them a lot of money yeah. so i think there is a deeper dive needed yeah. but in the short term there is an issue around pay and yeah. making sure that they can continue to provide the service and recruit people yeah. so we, we are engaging with them it's not it's not me directly well it's yeah. me and other ministers who have the line relationship with with those yeah. sectors but i am going to work with them to see what we can do
2: okay fairly. what about uh we know Michal is going to leave the office soon and leo is going to take his place uh, is, will there be a cabinet reshuffle I know Heather Humphreys is going into justice do you um, think that you'll
0: stay in your position would you like to stay where you are um, so th- there will be changes and so my department uh, will go to Fine Gael and the Department of Finance will we we'll, we we'll go to Fall. it's up to the current Taoiseach to decide who oh, who gets yeah. it but look obviously yeah. i would i would love lo- i'd love that opp- opportunity <laughs> yeah. um but there will be a number of changes at at cabinet level and but i just hope it goes smoothly like it it'll be the first time that it was ever done yeah. the rotation of a Taoiseach within the lifetime of a government so yeah. it is it is historic um but relations are good and i think it is stable and i do think um that all will go well on the 17th of december yeah, yeah.
3: Would, would that not be such a waste of time and public money if they had to bring somebody else in to do, do something like your job at the moment? You're in there, you're sitting in there, you're doing a good job, mm-hmm. like, you know, in, in most people's eyes. Yeah. What's, the, bring, point of what's the point of bringing somebody else in and having them to get familiar with the position again? And
0: Well, I suppose you need to maintain overall balance within the government. And so if the office of Taoiseach is going from uh, Fianna Fáil to Fine Gael, then you do have to look at the mix of the other departments mm. and make sure that overall the government is balanced. And so it would have been agreed when all of this was yeah. being negotiated that when the Department of Taoiseach goes to, to Finngael, that the Department of Finance would would go to Fianna Fáil. because I, I look in many respects it is it is then beyond kind of Tsho and Thonish and the leader of the Green Party. It is it's probably the next most important portfolio because okay. it has overall responsibility for the economy mm. and overall responsibility for the public finances mm. so the job that i have is i'm given so the minister of finance would set the overall expenditure limit No, Paskin and i have got on really well and we would always agree what that figure should be and then i manage it within that mm. but finance does have overall responsibility okay. for the the nation's finances and the overall economic responsibility and I do think, and this was agreed at the beginning, that if you had the Taoiseach and the Minister of Finance in the one party, it wouldn't be balanced overall. Yeah, okay. Then that balance of yeah, government would, yeah, would be yeah. upset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I so that. that's 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 probably the, re- the the reason on that front. But uh, in terms of other departments and ministers, I don't know mm-hmm. to what extent there will be changes. I think the, I think the the green three green ministers will probably stay where they are. Okay. So it'll be it'll be probably limited enough overall. Hopefully, a yeah. few changes. I would yeah. think. Yeah.
2: Bring it back to yourself, Michael. Yeah. You have
0: an Ari connection, haven't you? I do, yeah. you Married, wife. married uh, to an Ari, yeah. Uh, Dublin Hill. Sarah, yeah, yeah, from Dublin Hill. Nice uh, me in work, KPMG. Oh, very good. Us, uh, nice one. Fell in love across an audit file, is, is what I say. <laughs> <laughs> How yeah. romantic. Um, Working
3: up the courage to go over and say hello. That's it, yeah.
0: But, um, yeah, she uh, she went to school in, uh, in St. Aidan's. Yeah, not well. That's where my secondary. nephew was at the moment. And uh, is it? Yeah. My nephew was in yeah. at the, same day, the moment. Yeah. yeah. She speaks very highly of it. And um, yeah. And look, similar backgrounds. You know, um, working class background. And yeah. again, though, no, she would have been the first in in her family uh, to go on to, you know, kind of professional working environment and that. So um, and she has her own uh, career independently of of mine, which is great for her to have that independence and. Because the reality is Politics is very insecure as well So yeah. You know You could be gone at the next election yeah. That's the reality of it I know I know And how many kids have you got? Seven Seven kids? Yeah. Seven I used to say so far But uh, <laughs> I, I've stopped saying so far <laughs> oh, <laughs> The shop oh. is closed
3: Where Where do you get the time to Do to, to you yeah. to, to know what you're doing in government And her and her role of work?
0: Oh we've great family support yeah. You know we're very lucky um, Sarah's mum is in and out of our house Every yeah. day And And uh, is an incredible uh, support and uh, family chip in and help yeah. out in every way uh, that they can and it's very very busy um, and yeah. very very busy but you know I, I'm away a few days a week then and generally kind of Monday evening to to some stage Thursday hopefully I'd get home mm. and then weekends are busy with activities and matches There's <laughs> soccer girls aren't they we and have five so lads and we have two girls five, yeah, five yeah, five yeah. And so two they're girls. all active to be fair now uh, GA and what soccer you, and had rugby. you
2: got a child playing at a good level though with Cork
0: uh, well yeah but Ruth won a National Cup of Cargilline yeah, under 12 yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, she she's with Cork now under 13 and uh, yeah. and so on and uh, yeah Tom is Tom is going to Cork City in um, December what age under 14 yeah, so brilliant. the National League but look yeah I, and I I always have to be fair with all of them. The, yeah, they yeah, all have yeah. their own abilities, and I have to kind of be fair. in What matches I go to, yeah, I know. make sure I, I'm, you know, at them all and so far as I can. But that's how I unwind. I love sport anyway. Yeah, you know, yeah. really it's love sport. And sat down reason. and watched uh, Spain and Germany there last night. First time I actually got to watch a whole match. was well,
2: a great quality um, match?
0: Great technical quality. Yeah, it was yeah. the best game
2: I've yeah, seen. Yeah. There were two teams were yeah. brilliant. Do you see your man that
3: small Gavi is it? Gavi. He's, he's going to be some player.
2: He is. He's yeah. Yeah. Oh. only 19 oh, but you know Mooseyala off Bayern Munich yeah. Yeah. Germany t- t- 10, 20 was yeah. he was brilliant for Yeah. Germany. So it's just
0: the way they can keep the ball like the yeah. technical ability and First touch, the speed know. and yeah super. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. really yeah. enjoyed that game and um, I hope to see as many of the knockout games as possible now. Yeah. And I, I actually watched um, the uh, the programme about Roy and Saipan last night. We played it back with the kids. So I, of course, I knew the story well, but they, mm. they were fascinated by I it. Know, yeah. That's <laughs> 20
2: years ago now. I right. know.
0: I'm sure it was news to them. I like, know, it's know,
3: no, he's funny them. out though. i seen a clip there of him the other day. He was giving out about the English team saying the spirit of them and they were all laughing and joking. And he turns around and he says, we'll see if they're all laughing after the tournament's over. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. And the whole audience, like the whole lot of them inside the audience started bursting out there. He's so serious. Like, and yeah. then all of a sudden he came up with a witty one oh, and like great was yeah. Yeah. One line was yeah. He's got a one He's brilliant. Rebel without a football
0: that what it was yeah. It yeah, yeah, very good. But fascinated We're, for the kids uh, to see it. As a
3: player, the best, one of the best midfielders I've ever seen Absolutely. the whole of midfielders and passion. I, I don't think yeah. I've ever came across a player that was Ever as a passionate or football yeah. about winning about the team than him.
0: Absolutely, I'm know? mad about him. Mate. You're, yeah. your you're fan as well, aren't you? I am. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're what, what, rebuilding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a bit of optimism, I think, in that. I like Ten Hag. Yeah, I like his style, yeah, I mean, and to... you know, I think he handled the Ronaldo situation well. He the manager had to, has to be the main man. In the he club. had to assert himself. I think he did, and um, yeah. you know, he, Ronaldo must have known doing that interview that it was the end. Mm. You know, he oh, must definitely. have known that. Um, he has gone now, and look. Jeez, and fantastic, up for fantastic, fantastic player, they're up yeah. For sale. Yeah, up for sale. Um, and
3: uh, we might get the Irish people to buy him through <laughs> <For> you, <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully, and
0: maybe and investment. some rich, rich Irish American or something might step in. But uh, yeah, yeah no, they're, they're making progress, uh, definitely. And he, yeah. he's got them more solid at the back, which is, yeah, is the foundation. Um,
2: but but he's but made the big calls the other managers couldn't with, uh, with the Ronaldo, with Harry Maguire, or no, these fellas that. Fans have been crying out for us, you yeah. know, to make a call. But for a long time, the Eagles, the Ronaldo's, the Pogba's—they ruled the dressing room. Like, but they yeah. don't want anymore. And you
3: don't want them in the dressing room if that's the case. You
2: have to have you know. strong leadership when you're, you yeah.
3: But listen, you have to. Like, you can have a great player amongst eleven as well. But it's all about the team and how the team get on. If the, if the atmosphere within the team, dressing room is good. That team will go out there and they'll fight yeah. for each other. Yeah. But if you have one fella that's there and he's not getting on on the team, or two fellas they think they're better than the team, they'll go out there and that team is not going to work hard for that player. Yeah. You know, and that will affect the whole team then and the scoreline and. Yeah
0: and that's the thing with kids is just to get them into that thinking that it is all about the team. Exactly. You might have the ball, you might see you could do something, but if you see someone in a better position, mm-hmm. you have to release the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we're lucky that we're in Cargaline with fantastic clubs, you know, yeah. really do we are very very lucky. Well, did, um, we scored a couple of goals down there last week. Yeah. Plays up front for Rockmo. Oh yeah. The game yeah. was over at
2: half time. No, it was in the Munster Senior League. Yeah. There were no is a great club. But uh, Monster Senior League level rock bunked our champions. Yeah, in Monster, Eagle. It was murdered our last season, the game was nearly abandoned. But listen, it's been great th- th- talking to Michael. Yeah. Thanks for your time. Hello, thank you so much. Thanks Mike. to you both. Thank you. And, uh,
0: Hope you manage to get a break now in a few weeks at Christmas. And oh, bad on. Yeah, keep up the good work. I learned a lot, today, aren't you, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. yeah. That's good. That's yeah. good. Politics sure.
3: always, James is always James's area for me, um, it, w- it was never something I was ever interested in growing up. But I, yeah. I actually enjoy listening today because it's um, something we all need to know about because we're we're Irish people and citizens of Ireland.
0: Yeah, um, I think the job for us is just to try and relate politics to uh, the ordinary day-to-day lives of people, and just to convince them and explain that it has real meaning yeah and it does impact on them you yeah. know and uh, they mightn't think it does and you know you'll always have a share of people who despise politicians yeah. and that that's that's fair enough but you know in a healthy democratic system to get as many people out to vote as you say doesn't matter who they vote for ultimately um that's a great thing and it's really precious and we should hold on to it and 100%, um, yeah. you know we've, we have problems in ireland for sure but we're not a bad country. No, and no. I think it's the, one of the best things about Ireland is, like, we can
2: have a minister come into our office or we can bump into the Taoiseach walking through the city. I remember one time we were I was in town, I was working in the Simon, and I bumped into Michael D when he was canvassing yeah. to be re It's like, is the great, though? Like, nowhere else would that yeah. happen, do you know what I mean? Where you could <laughs> actually bump into the president <laughs> or bump into the Shock or have a minister come in. Uh-huh. You know, because they're so removed, because of security reasons and all. Uh, uh, but I think in Ireland know it's important that we keep the offices and the high offices you know um uh, people can see them do you know what i mean and, and you're yeah. not too far removed and we
0: have an electoral system that does keep politicians close to the people because you'll be in your ear very fast yeah if you've got any notions or you're not yeah. above your station you know we've multi-seat constituencies other countries you know it's one seat per constituency it could be very safe yeah. tory area for yeah. example is first past the post and like you get removed, you you get very detached from it. and complacent. But we we can't. If we yeah. do, you're gone. You know, you just yeah. won't last if you're not yeah. in touch with people. Which I think is good for our country that we're more connected with the people we yeah. represent, and we can bring that yeah. experience then to to the work we do every day. Yeah. But thanks thanks for you both, my, yeah.
2: thank you both. Happy Christmas yourself, Sarah, and the seven kids. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, blessed. guys. Thanks God you bless. bless. Thanks a million, boy.